Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com. Well, Light Church, we're at the end of our intention series. And as Benji and I were kind of talking about what was the direction we wanted to go and how did we want to end, we really kind of kept coming to this. Uh, intentional time with God. How do we spend time with God intentionally? And if you were listening two weeks ago as I was talking about the end goal of time itself, I ended kind of highlighting God created everything good and He's not out to destroy everything. He's actually out to renew everything. That we're going to work and we're going to rest and we're going to build and we're going to dance and we're going to play all in God's good creation um, as the end goal of time. And it says there's not going to be a sun or a moon. You don't need to light a lamp because God's presence is going to be our light. And so the end goal of time is God himself. It is his presence. And there's something beautiful about that. When Jesus came, he said, uh, the kingdom of God is at hand. And yet he also talked about how it's coming. There's this already not yet factor. And so when he calls us to pray, he says, pray like this, God, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so what he's saying is you can encounter my presence now. You can be a future person now. And as we love, as we're filled with the presence of God, we can extend God's presence out into the world around us, bringing that renewal. And so we're invited into God's grand renewal project. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's what the gospel of the kingdom is all about, the good news that God's kingdom is at hand. Um, And we still wait for it. We long for it. And so we pray with anticipation, God, would you bring redemption? Would you bring restoration? Would you heal God, the, our friends who are across the border in Mexico, God, would you bring um, house, housing to them? Would you, would you elevate the poor? God, our friends that are from Ukraine and now in Germany, God, the refugees, would you be with them? God, this is our prayer. This is what we're called into as followers of Jesus. And so we wanted to land with this. Really, the question is, how do we spend time with Jesus? How do we become people of presence? And so this is going to be an incredibly practical sermon. My hope is that um, I can actually just lay down, here's, here's how I walk it out with Jesus. Here's what my daily kind of rhythm looks like. And the nice thing as a pastor, sometimes you, you will listen to a podcast, so you'll read a book, you'll talk to other pastors, and really you're kind of hoping that what they do will validate a little bit of what you're already thinking. Honestly, for this one, the, the books that I've read, the pastors I've listened to, my conversations, they've all kind of lent to the same idea. And so this is what I want to offer to you. And the good news is, We as a church kind of already do this. We have Lectio Divina journals, and this is going to be one of the primary ways that I'm going to be encouraging you in this time to spend time with the Lord, to become filled with His presence and to be a person of presence. That's the goal. I love going on walks. I love being out in nature. And honestly, uh, for me, I love going out because I can be by myself and I love to pray out loud. And you know when you walk past someone who's just talking to themselves, you kind of want to walk far away from them. So I love going by myself. There's something about the walking and there's something about the praying out loud that honestly just resonates with me. I'm a very like physical person. I know for some people you could turn on worship music and you're just brought into the presence of God or you read a book and it just stimulates your intellect and you just encountering God in those moments. You sit across the table from someone. You have a stimulating deep conversation. It's almost as if Jesus pulled up a chair next to you. We're all built and designed differently to encounter God in these different ways. 
So that's kind of a more general encounter with the presence of God that I encourage everybody to lean into. If you are physical like me, go surf good waves and do it with Jesus. That is such a beautiful way for you to, to do life with Jesus. But the specific gives way to the general. What I mean by that is if you want to encounter God more generally, being surfing or having conversations with friends or reading a stimulating book, those things need to be steeped in the specific. And that is an intentional time with God where we open up his Bible, where we hear his word that he wrote and he saved for us, that he gave to us. And we learn what his voice sounds like. We learn, um, uh, my professor in college talked about the texture of his voice. We get to learn that as we read scripture. We get to then, as we go out into nature, as we spend time with friends, as we read, we can discern what's his voice and what are our thoughts. What's the voice of maybe your father or that coach that was so brutal towards you or that friend who talked behind your back or... What's the voice of the living God, the loving Father? And so these are all ways uh, we have to be shaped by the Word. And so I love going on walks, um, but one of the things that I love about it is because it's a, it's a picture of what Jesus does with us. He's lovingly walking a journey out with us. Reminds me of this time, uh, quite recently, I was with my little niece. I've got seven nieces and nephews, so I was like born to be an uncle. And... Um, we were at Ponto Beach, and if you've been there, there's a good sand portion, and then there's a lot of rocks that go down to the water. And so my, my niece, two years old, was like, I want to go touch the water. So I grab her hand, and we start walking, which is already so slow through sand. But then we get to the rocks, and honestly, it could have taken forever, and we were like just slowly going over the rocks. She's kind of falling over. And after about two minutes, she's like, can you just pick me up? I was like, okay, thank goodness. I didn't want to have to like endure all of that. But what I was thinking about was how unloving and honestly, how rude and how off-putting would that have been if I would have grabbed her hand and said, hurry up. What are you doing, two-year-old? Like, pick up your feet. Be more like me. Walk faster. What if I were trying to force her to walk faster, even though she's two years old, she's walking over a pretty brutal landscape? I wouldn't be loving at all. And this is kind of what Kansuki Koyama is getting at in his book, Three Mile an Hour God. He says, God goes at the pace of love, which he calls three miles an hour. That's the pace of a walk. God loves to walk with us. He's not going to try to force you to go faster. Um, if you're two years old, he's going to walk with you as a two-year-old. Like God comes alongside us. And so there's so much in scripture of God going on a journey of faith as we're formed into being people of presence. And so this story right here, which I've alluded to many times in sermons, but I'm going to preach on now, is a story where Jesus comes up and he walks. He just walks with his disciples. And so this is the road to Emmaus. It's in Luke 24. And what's going on is Jesus just died. Um, three days earlier, he was crucified, put into a tomb. And you can imagine if you were a follower of Jesus in that day, you had hopes and expectations. You had a vision of who he was. You had a narrative that was going to play out. And as Jesus died, so did all of your dreams, so did all your expectations, and so you're left disillusioned and discouraged. And so these two disciples, one named Cleopas and the other unnamed, kind of as a literary device, but probably his wife, and they're walking the seven-mile trek from Jerusalem all the way to Emmaus. And, and as they're walking, they're talking, and you know those times when you're just trying to just like, oh, what just happened? trying to figure out your emotions, you're trying to talk it through, you're, you're sharing your discouragement and just trying to put it into place. And man, I, we saw him heal this person. I, I, we, we heard him say this. We, we, 
we saw it with our own eyes and, and just trying to figure out the confusion. And as they're walking this dirt path all the way to Emmaus, probably about a two to three hour journey, depending on how tired they were, a weary traveler comes up next to them. And you know what? It's like when someone's walking behind you and they're kind of close to you. So you kind of whisper a little bit. You don't want them to hear in on your conversation. And so they kind of quiet down. They maybe walk a little slower because they want this traveler just to pass by. But instead of passing by, he pulls up right next to them and just says, hey, what are you talking about? I love that that's the invitation Jesus gives them. Hey, talk to me. Share with me what's going on. And without knowing that it was Jesus, they, they start saying, wait, are you the only one around here who doesn't know what's going on? And he's just playing dumb. He kind of has a smirk on his face. What things he says to them. And so they go on to say, well, Jesus of Nazareth, man, he, we thought, we had hoped, it says, we had hoped that he would be the one that would bring the renewal of all things, right? His kingdom come on earth. We had hoped that that was going to happen right now in our time. We had hoped that he was going to free us from oppression, that he was going to elevate the poor right now in our time. We had hoped and our hopes died with him. I love Jesus' response. Again, he's probably got a nice smirk on his face. He says in verse 25, he said to them, how foolish are you? How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And verse 27 is where we're going to be really cluing in on, but it says, in beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all of the scriptures concerning himself. Meaning the entirety of the Bible, Genesis all the way to Malachi at that point, and then kind of moving forward. But the entirety of the Bible is Christocentric. It's about Jesus. Verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued as if he were going to go further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. And so they went in to stay with him. When he was at the table, he took the bread. He gave thanks, broke it, and then gave it to them. And it says their eyes were opened and they recognized him. He disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Have you guys ever had a Bible study like that? Or you walked out of church and you're like, wasn't my heart burning within me? I actually don't know if that was your story. Hopefully that's your story. Um, I know Benji does preach some pretty fire sermons. I think most times um, people, especially if you're even new to faith, you're kind of like, no, I, the Bible's actually, I don't get it. I'm a little confused by it. But you know what that feeling's like when, when something happens and there's just such a deep resonance where, or something's said and there's just like this joy that sparks up in you that at a gut level, there's something that ignites that you're just like, I don't know, it's like a fire inside of me. I'm just so pumped about this. This is resonating so much. We get that feeling and this is what they got. But have you guys ever left one of the sermons, like one of Benji's messages, you walked out and then you're like, God, I'm going to another level with you. You're just so inspired. God, I'm going I'm to give everything. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to pray like three hours a day. And we come out with just all of this excitement. But then you get into prayer and about four minutes in, you've prayed for everything, like including your animals. You've prayed for it all. And you get to that place where all of a sudden you're like, I'm done. I've, I've got nothing else to pray about or talk about. Or it's the beginning of the year and you're like this year, mark my words, Bible in a year. And you start off and it's day four, January 4th, and you're already three days behind. You're like, gosh, dude, well, how did this happen? Somehow through enough trial and failure and forgetting just enough, we, we begin to settle. And we get to this place where we say, I guess this is just it. I guess this is as good as it gets. I guess this is what time with the Lord looks like. At least I got my open table. At least I 
go on Sunday and I got some people, we pray every once in a while, but I guess this is it. But the question that comes up is how do you encounter God? How do you spend time with God? Like, like actually, how do you spend time with him? What does your daily routine look like? This is what I'm often asked as a pastor. And knowing my own struggle over the years, I can imagine that this is actually something that you've asked or you've wrestled with or you've settled. And so my invitation right now is, is what I want to say is I just want to invite you to have a coffee with me um, in a metaphorical sense, like just a nice Guatemala, natural, pour over, you know, no room for cream. Like, let's just have coffee. And I want to share with you, here's what our desire is and here's what it looks like to have a daily encounter with God. This is the goal. But here's why we struggle. Before I get into it, we struggle because we often wait for inspiration in order to be the thing to get us to spend time with God. You know, you're like, I'm going to get fired up. I'm going to get inspired up and then I'll be consistent. But if you remember back, I remember when I played sports and what my coaches always yelled at me about. I remember when I was in school and I, I wanted to master my studies or then I read things in science and psychology and, and the habit of formation and change. All of them say the same thing. Intentionality and consistency is what shapes you and forms you in anything. Not even just following Jesus, but in anything. If you want to become a master at anything, it is intentionality and consistency. Eugene Peterson calls this a long obedience in the same direction. Pastor John Tyson says, amateurs wait for inspiration. Professionals have a process. I'm not calling you amateurs. He did. Um, he called me an amateur though. So if you want to get good at anything and if you want to move to a place of mastery, there's going to be a sense of, of discipline that we have to put into this. And I know in our culture at large and particularly Encinitas culture, we love self-expression. We love feeling free. And so you could be like, that feels a bit oppressive. It feels a bit religious. But here's what I want to say. If you want to find freedom, if you want to engage God, if you want to encounter God and you want to be consistent, it's going to take discipline. Like I said, anything you want to grow mastery at in your life, it takes an intentionality and it takes, takes consistency. So that's just my invitation. Hear my heart as we dive into this. It's not to be religious. It's actually to invite you into an encounter with God. If you notice on the road to Emmaus, sure they opened the scriptures, but it was a Bible study with Jesus and about Jesus. It wasn't just a Bible study for the sake of head knowledge. It was a Bible study for the sake of relationship. So this isn't about religion. This is about relationship. It's about encounter with the living God. So here's the three points for today. One is going to be the approach. Two is going to be the encounter. And three is going to be the formation. So the approach, the encounter, and the formation. The approach. In Luke 24, 15 through 17, it says, As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. They asked, what, you're uh, what are you discussing as you walk along? They stood still. Their faces were downcast. And then in verse 21, it says, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. I love the raw honesty in their response. First of all, Jesus is the one that approaches them. The initiation is always on God first, but he already has initiated. So our approach is to now come with him, come to him with honesty. I think, honestly, sometimes we don't approach God with raw honesty because we bring our anticipated responses of what we already expect God to say. 
we are disinterested and we honestly are bored with God because we already anticipate what we think he's going to say. Brendan Manning says this, because we approach the gospel with preconceived notions of what it should say, rather than what it does say, the word no longer falls like rain on, our parched, on the parched ground of our souls. It no longer sweeps like a wild storm into the corners of our comfortable piety. It no longer vibrates like sharp lightning in the dark recesses um, or non uh, of our non-historical orthodoxy. The gospel becomes, in the words of Gertrude Stein, the pattering of pious platitudes spoken by a Jewish carpenter in the distant past. So here's what, uh, here's what it looks like often when we, when we approach the word of God. It's kind of like, you know, when you're walking down the street and you see a friend that you haven't seen in a while, you kind of bump into each other. You're like, hey, how's it going? Good to see you. And you might even spend 10 minutes catching up. And then you walk away and you walk away feeling good. You're like, that was a nice encounter. Like, that was so sweet. So glad I ran into them. I'm glad we caught up. That was good. I'm feeling good. I got like my little scratch for the day and we're good. We're going to go. And oftentimes we, we treat the Bible like that. Like, oh, I'm going to bump into you. Hey, how's it going? Let's do a 10, 10 minute catch up and we're good. I'll see you again, maybe. But then there are those friends that you run into. And when you run into them, there's like a deep, like, oh, it's been too long. Like, like we're dropping everything. I know I had plans tonight. We're dropping everything. Like we're going out tonight. We're going to get a meal. Like it's, it's even on me. Like we're going out. We're going big because I want to spend time with you. And in those moments, you stay out late. You order the extra dessert. You order the glass of wine because it's not about time. Spending and wasting time with them is the point because you want to be relationally with them. This is the draw of what God is inviting us into is scripture, not to have just a moment, a quick binge, but he's calling us to feast, to spend time with and be with. So what happens is when we come into a place of familiarity with God's word, we just settle. We settle for God's word of what we think it's going to speak to us, but it, it's not saying that at all. And so we, we're just kind of like, all right, God, I'll bump into you. I'll say what's up. I know I should, but it's really not that exciting. The psalmist says this about God's word, the law of the Lord is perfect. It's refreshing to the soul. It's sweeter than honey. And in keeping this, there is great reward. I mean, this is a high view of scripture. This is a different approach. We approach scripture oftentimes, and I'm speaking for myself, with a low approach. And so when we, when we come with this low approach and we don't see it as sweeter than honey, perfect, refreshing our souls, course, we're not going to want to go to it. But if this is it, if this is what scripture says about itself, I want this. I don't want just a little word. I want the whole thing. I want to meet you, God. And so God's word is living and active. It says that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. So sometimes when you're reading scripture and it pierces your heart, has it ever happened to you where you read a verse and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, whoa, I did not say it's coming after my motives. You know, it's not just telling me I got to go and feed this person or I have to go give my shirt off the back to this person or I need to tithe or something like that. It's not, it's going after my motives. It's going after my heart. And so this is what it says about scripture. When you read it, it's going to get into your heart and it's going to begin to do some work. It's living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. And so when we come to scripture, if, if what the Psalms say about it, if what um, Hebrews says about it is true, then we need to come at it with humility and hunger. We need to come at it saying, God, I want to hear from you. I'm not going to stand over scripture. I'm going to stand under scripture. I'm going to let you speak to me. And with hunger, 
of I don't want just a quick binge. I don't want just an in-out drive-through. Like I want a feast and I want to encounter you and be in your presence. This is not an academic approach. This is the living voice of God. So point number one was how do we approach? We want to approach with consistency. We want to approach and we want to have humility and hunger as we approach the word of God. And number two is the encounter. So it says this in verse 31, the eyes, their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They had asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Through the word of God, they encountered God. Now here's what I kind of want to lean into a little bit. Throughout the Bible, the word, uh, word is two different words. One is logos and one is rhema. Now, they both are saying word in the English translation, but logos typically means just the word that's given generally. Like, oh, the word of the Lord was given. But the rhema, the rhema was a specific word that was given to a specific person. And so what we want to do when we dive into Lectio Divina, when we dive into time, when we're feasting in God's presence, we want to see what's the rhema word of God. So we want to dive into the logos, the word, and we want to see what's the rhema. In Matthew 4, it's this famous time where Jesus is just about to start his ministry. And right after he's baptized, he's brought into the, the, the desert or the wilderness. And it says that he was brought there to be tempted by the Satan. And so he's tempted by Satan. He, he's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. But here's, here's what's fascinating is, is uh, the Satan comes to him and says, hey, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And here's what Jesus doesn't. Jesus doesn't say, hey, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And now I'm going to go to the book of Numbers and I'm going to explain to you all these genealogies of, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He doesn't do that. He says, man shall not feast on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He didn't say any word generally. He said a specific word because there are unique and specific words that, that reach out of the page and call for action in certain times. It's a rhema word. So the reality is you can actually read the Bible and not be formed. We see this with the Pharisees. We see this with people in our lives when you're like, man, you're going to church a lot, but you're not like Jesus. Like we see this where we, and we even see this in our own lives where we can approach the Bible. We can read it and walk away completely unchanged. But I want to give you an approach where you read it and you read it for the sake of, I want to encounter and hear from you, Lord. So we need to have our souls massaged by the rhema word of God, not just the logos. Rob Reimer says this, when the spirit breathes on a word in scripture, it stirs within you. It leaps off the page at you. This is the moment when God is coming near. This is the moment of divine breakthrough. This is the moment, if you'll let it, the piercing of the heart can take place. The deep work of transformation can begin. Every time you pick up the Bible, we are one Holy Spirit breath away from a fresh encounter with living God. I mean, I don't know if I approach the Bible like that every morning where I'm like, this could be a time that I have a Holy Spirit breath. That's an encounter with the living God. But if we come in with that humility and that hunger, who knows? If we look for that rhema word, not just that logos word, who knows? It matters how we approach scripture. So there is a way of approaching scripture and reading scripture where we can be hungry for God and we can let it stand out and speak to you. And, and this is what I want to highlight. It's the Lectio Divina style where you read the Bible, you go over the truth of scripture, short passage, and you read it two times through and you just kind of let, let the Holy Spirit stand a word out. What's standing out to me? Could be a word, could be a phrase. 
And you can be like, what, why is that standing out to me? Then you bring that to the Lord in prayer. You say, God, why is this standing out to me? What is it about that? And you just sit and you can kind of let that stir within you. And there have been times when I've been reading the Lectio Divina and, and it just says like, like man, God hears, God hears the oppressed. And I'm like, I don't feel like I'm oppressed, but I just kind of hear like God hears. And that's something I really needed to hear. And so that's the way God was speaking through scripture to me. And as we do that, then we just get to sit and we get to let it sink into us. But there's another step that we're going to get to, which is the formation. So there's a way that we can read scripture that lets it sink in and transform our lives. This is where God says, hey, hey, let's, let's have dinner tonight. We're not just going to bump into each other, have a 10 minute chat. Like we're having dinner tonight. It's on me. This is when God's like, we want to feast. And we want to also show up and feast with God. This is, this is when God, when he gives us that rhema word, it's God not showing you a word for the sake of intellectual curiosity. He's showing you for that, that word for the point of transformation and encounter. God wants to form you and form me and form us into people of his presence. So we need to ask insight for what God has shown. And you may be like, I just feel like the Bible is boring, which I have said so often. I had a professor one time that said, the Bible isn't boring, you are. And I was a bit offended by that. I'm not going to say that to you, but what I would say is that when you get into the Bible, when you get into the context, you start to realize what's going on and what Jesus is doing. And you're like, hey, where is he at? Why is he, why is it a big deal that he's in Samaria talking to this woman? When you start to dig a little bit in that, and you can do that through a simple um, study Bible. When you start to do some stuff like that, the Bible blows your mind. It will transform you forever. Like some of the places that Jesus went, they were staggering. Like it's like, it's like having local knowledge. So if I were to tell you, I was like, hey, yeah, I went to one Paseo and then I was like, you know, shopping over here. I was spending time in Del Mar. And then I went to Escondido and, uh, and I drove through the numbered streets, got to, uh, I went to Peterson's Donut Corner and like, that's where I was at. If you have local knowledge, you know where I'm at. I'm in like two different locations with very different kind of cultural, socioeconomic statuses and and so you get what's going on. This is what Jesus is doing. When he's walking from place to place, he's talking to different people. And as you read that way, all of a sudden you're like, oh man, Jesus is about to get crucified. It becomes more real why they would have hated him, even though he spoke so openly about loving your neighbor as you love yourself. And he spoke about God's love and he extended generosity. He healed people. What well, was who he was healing? It was who he's interacting with that got him killed. When we understand the background of what's going on in the Bible, it comes alive. And all of a sudden, we're no longer bored with the Bible, but we're drawn into it. And the rhema word of God can speak to our hearts. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. There is a meditative way of reading scripture. Like, so speaking of Peterson's Donut Corner, when you go and you get just a nice maple bar, you bite into that and you, you like, you don't, don't chew that. Like you just let it sit in your mouth because it's going to melt. Like that's what it's calling you to do. Don't, don't try to get through it too fast. Let it sink in. Let it melt in your mouth. This is what we're called to do with scripture as we meditate on it because it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. You guys ever been in situations where you're like, man, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say here. What's, what's the point uh, of getting time with God? You know, I don't know what the whole point is. And, but when you let the word of God get in your life and it teaches you and rebukes you and corrects you, it gets you ready. And then all of a sudden you're like, I actually think I do know what to say in this situation. 
because God has been God has been working things in me. He's been teaching me. He's been correcting me. He's been guiding me. So this is slow formation. And this is why this is important for us to, to let the words of God almost just melt in our mouth and to meditate on them is because you are over a thousand times a day being formed mentally very slowly, one TikTok at a time, right? One swipe at a time. And it doesn't feel like much, but over the course of time, over the course of time, over one sarcastic post or just one glance at that one kind of provocative image over the course of time it it is numbing your ability to hear God's voice and so what God is calling us to do is let's be intentional about our slow formation our micro formation back into his image it's slow it's inconspicuous but we don't want to be numbed to the voice of God we want to be raw and open and available to the voice of God scripture says over and over again to have ears to hear let him hear In 2 Corinthians 3, it says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate or meditate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into His image, ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. If you want to be transformed from one degree of glory to to the other, if you want to be transformed into the image of our Lord, this is how we do it. I think there's so many people who don't really look like Jesus and they're not being shaped to look like Jesus because they're not looking at Jesus. What we behold, we become. And so we're not looking at Jesus and being shaped in his image. And because of that, there's, that's the reason why there are so many people in churches, so many people who say they follow Christ and they don't resemble him. Let's be people who resemble Christ. And the way we do that is through a slow, meditative, hunger and humble way of approaching scripture. So the first thing we do, we come with intentionality. We approach God's word. And the second thing that we do after we approach it is we encounter him with a slow meditative, let it just melt in your mouth kind of reading of scripture for the rhema word of God, not the logos word of God. And the final thing is formation. And when I say that, this whole process is formation. But what I mean is is not just hearing the word, but like James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in the mirror and after looking himself goes away, immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever intently looks in the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in all that they do. So when I say formation, this is what it means in verse 33 when it says they got up at once and they returned to Jerusalem. They ran seven miles through the darkness of the night because there was something that had changed inside of them. A lot of the kind of older monastic movement, they say that action completes prayer. And that's not to say that you need to always do something. Sometimes being in the presence, that is plenty. That isn't you are being formed. But there's another aspect where when you get a rhema word of God, when you're reading scripture, and you want to encounter God and you get that word that kind of says, it, it just tugs in your heart and your heart starts burning within you. You can actually quench that fire if you decide not to act on it. This is where God loves to do this dance with us where it's, okay, I'm putting this fire in you. What are you going to do? Will you respond? Now that you've received, will you respond? And so this is what James is talking about. Don't just receive. Be people who respond. And as we respond, we will be shaped into the image of our creator. We'll be shaped to look like Jesus. Jesus at the end of his sermon on the mountain, Matthew 7, he says, anyone 
who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. But if you don't, then you're like building your house on sand. And when life happens, when the craziness and the storm and the wind and the waves come, you will crumble. We've seen so many people crumble. If we want to be people of the presence of God, people who, who point to God that's renewing all things, not destroying all things. We want to be people who point to God's love and His restorative nature, and we want to elevate the poor. Then the way that we do this is when we receive a word from God through His word, we put that into practice. We will see the world around us change. That's the formation. I think the great challenge of our day is the challenge of resonance is that we kind of feel like, man, I really resonated with that. Like that really struck a chord in me. And, and we actually uh, misinterpret resonance as if that's transformation. But it's pretty clear as we've just read that just because you agree with something doesn't mean that you obeyed it. And I want to be someone who doesn't just agree with God. I don't want to just agree with, with his word. I don't want to just agree that he's good and that his kingdom's coming and that he's renewing all things. I want to be a part of it. And that's the invitation for us. Eugene Peterson says this. This is a final quote before I kind of end. He says, Christians feed on Scripture. Holy Scripture nurtures holy community as food nourishes the human body. Christians don't simply learn, study, or use Scripture. We assimilate it. We take it into our lives in such a way that it gets metabolized into acts of love, cups of cold water, missions into all the world, healing evangelism and justice in Jesus' name. Raise hands in adoration to the Father, feet washed in company with the Son. This is what happens when we let the Word get into us, get through us, and then begin to bring healing and renewal to the world around us. I'm going to be honest, this isn't always easy. But if we can set a time in our day, for me it's I wake up in the morning, I make my cup of coffee, as I'm making it, I, I read the Lord's Prayer just to start my, my day off and just to settle my soul. I take a couple deep breaths. I open my Bible and my Lectio Divina for the day and, and I get into it. And I get into it with humility and hunger, expecting God to speak. And when He does, I don't just let it sit stagnant. I try to take an action. So that action could be big, but that action could also be small. It could just be take the trash out for your wife and don't tell her about it. Or it could be Hey, go to that person who you see on that street corner every day and just toss them five bucks or, or give them a sock, give them a pair of socks and tell them that you see them. I don't know what it is for you and I'm not going to try to impose that because I believe that's the Holy Spirit's role in your life. But the Holy Spirit's going to speak to us much more or we'll be attuned to Him speaking much more if we begin to read Scripture in a meditative way, a transformative way, a way of encounter. So let's be people of God's presence. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we ask, even right now, that as we're praying um, that you would shape us and transform us, that you would speak to us, and that you would put a fire that burns within us. God, I know that there are times that getting into the Word and spending time with you feels more like discipline and less like joy. But God, I pray that we don't just wait for inspiration to get consistent, but we just decide to step into it knowing that through our consistency, we will see you more, our heart will open to you more, we'll hear you more, and we'll be shaped in your image so that we can love the world and be a part of your grand renewal project. God, we want that. The Holy Spirit, come, shape our lives, and move us. We pray this in your name. Amen.
Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com. <laughs>